Welcome to the Wet Podcast, episode number 31. Welcome to the Wet Podcast, episode number 31. I am your host, Eric Marshall. So the music you hear uh, is not my usual opening music. That was some uh, music from The Bad Years. And my guest today is Aaron Mort of The Bad Years. I'm really excited to have Aaron on because he's been uh, in the music business for, for quite a while and has seen a lot of the changes in technology that have gone on in, in that industry. In this interview, we talk about uh, some of those changes, kind of creating music digitally, distributing it, finding different ways to uh, to find audiences, and uh, ultimately the ways in which a musician might try to make money in today's um, digital media-saturated environment. It's a really good interview, and I hope you enjoy it. Before we get to it, uh, you can find the show notes for this episode at ericmarshall.net slash wet, W-E-T. That's Eric with a K, Marshall with two L's, dot net slash wet. This is episode 31, so you'll find all the links to everything we talked to there, including links to uh, to buy the Bad Year's new EP and also to listen to it on SoundCloud and other places. I really hope you enjoy the interview. I have with me today Aaron Mortz of The Bad Years. Hello. Howdy. <laughs> Aaron is, you're a musician um, currently based in Los Angeles, right? Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, your, the music you're doing right now, the, the band you're in and all that stuff. Music I'm doing now, it's a little, uh, it's, it's a, kind of a rock and roll thing still, <laughs> uh, but uh, a bit more towards like Lee Hazelwood. Uh, you know, Lou Reed type uh, direction, I suppose. Okay. Like, uh, yeah, with a gal singing, kind of like a Nancy. If Nancy Sinatra was singing with Lou Reed, something okay. like that. That's a good description. I, I like that. <laughs> Did you just come up with that just now? <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, and you're a two piece, right? Uh, yeah, we write as a two piece, uh, performing. Uh, we'll have a, we have a full band. Oh, you perform. do. Oh, okay, that's cool. So you you write yeah. and, and record as a two piece, but when you like tour or whatever you or when you when you record your four piece or when you tour or both. Uh, mainly just show. We we haven't done a ton of shows. Uh-huh. Uh, we're uh, we we just re- well we're releasing an EP right now, so this is kind of like the first collection of songs. Other than you know, sing we did some singles before that, but. Uh, so we're getting more into touring now, and so the band live will be like you know a drummer, bass player, uh, your you know whatever it needs to be, I suppose. In uh, live, um, or sorry, in the studio, it's just uh, Sammy and myself. Um, so for the EP, I recorded all the instruments. She did the vocals. Um, so 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a hybrid band. <laughs> yeah, that makes That's, sense. I I love yeah. I love hybrids. I, I hybrids of anything. I, I enjoy that sort of thing, you know, because a lot of the people that I have on the show are kind of like DIY kind of people. You know, they're kind of figuring out how to do things or doing things in a in an unusual way. You know, and I think that's a lot of what you do as well. Yeah, it, it's very much DIY. It's very much learn, uh, you know, by doing. Mm-hmm. You know, like trial by fire, I suppose. Just, yeah, we kind, of, we kind of just go for it and figure it out along the way. So yeah, it's, uh, it's worked out all right so far. <laughs> yeah, that's how I do this podcast, uh, much to the chagrin of my listeners, perhaps, but. Uh... But it's working out so far, so. And we're recording on the seventh of May, and um, the EP is out this week. Yeah, it's it's online. Uh, mm-hmm. It's on our website, where you can at least stream the EP mm-hmm. currently on SoundCloud. Um, and then uh, I think we have a pre-order up as well for okay. on Bandcamp. So yeah, and I'll put links to both of those uh, in the show notes for this at EricMarshall.net/slash/wet. Now, you've been around the music industry for a little while. You've been doing music for, for how long? Since I was in high school, around, I probably started seriously playing around like 2000. Okay. So that's a long and, time. Yeah, that's a fairly long time. Uh, I mean, it took until like uh, around 2008, 2000, 2006, 2008, when it like things I was like bands I, I was in, like we're actually doing something mm-hmm. like where it still makes sense. Uh, um, so yeah, I mean, I, around like 2008, it's like when I became like more like this was a full-time job, you know, like I, I actually started making sort of a living doing it. Right. Uh, you know, like that's a li- making a living is a fairly loose term, <laughs> Right. <laughs> but right. Uh, it's basically what I dedicated all my time to for the most part. Right. And that's, that's making a living. I think, you know, it's, it's your, it's your profession, it's your career, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it became my trade, so to speak, you know, it's, it's what I, it's what I did yeah. or I still am doing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Trade. I like yeah. that. I like that term trade. Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, cause I know you've been in other bands and you've toured and you've had albums out and, and you know, the, the, the bad years is, an, is your newest band. It's your latest thing that you're doing. Um, and yeah. yeah, I feel like you said 2006, 2008, I feel like that's around the time where the music industry was really, uh, changing a lot. Like, I think that became the time where people could, um, begin to make a living in a way that they couldn't before perhaps if that makes sense yeah yeah that was kind of like the the height or at least the the build of like cd baby back mm-hmm. in the day i think they're still around cd uh, baby i'll look it up <laughs> yeah i mean i i know like uh the original guy i believe sold the company okay um yeah. but uh i think they still keep it around it's it's one of they do like the online distribution stuff and still, uh, but yeah, that was like a huge, uh, <laughs> platform for like indie artists selling records yeah. back in the day and getting like on iTunes and cause that all that seemed so foreign, you know, uh, around that time. Cause what the iPod iTunes was what, like 2001, 2002 yeah. or so. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. That's when, yeah. you know, there was this weird time where 
and CD Baby does exist. I'm looking at it right now. I hadn't heard that term in a while, <laughs> CD Baby. But there is this yeah. weird uh, moment of turbulence for the for the music industry where um, people were figuring out how to make the physical things, the CDs, digital. Right, and they were ahead of the industry, and that's where you had Napster and LimeWire and all that stuff, right? And the yeah. the, the music industry had to figure out a way to to catch up, right, and adopt that. And you in the iPod, oh, I think, yeah. yeah, I think the iPod was the first one of the first steps in that. But even then, iTunes wasn't really selling music, or if they were, people just weren't used to it yet. You know, and I think in the mid two thousands is yeah. when it started becoming different. I guess. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of whenever those like uh, silhouetted i uh, iTunes commercials or iPod commercials came <laughs> yeah. out. The U two, the ones with U two. Yeah, U two. <laughs> yeah, that's when you knew. <laughs> totally. And now they, but, uh, now, now they put U two albums in your iTunes for you, right? <laughs> yeah. Wow, I never Which, made that connection before. How weird. <laughs> How strange. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then, um, yeah. So CD Baby, like, so those things started popping up so independent musicians could sell more or less directly. Right. And I think that that really changed the yeah. industry in ways that, that I haven't even wrapped my head around, to be honest with you. You know, because I feel like before that it was it was like the lottery. You you were in a band and you try to get on a label, and if you got on a label, then you then you've made it, right? Which is not true. We both know, but that was kind of the the yeah. idea, right? But that I think changed yeah. things in ways that that I'm interested in kind of delving into a little bit because I think being a musician from 2006 till now has it has to have changed. Yeah, it's been an interesting process because the whole time i've been making music you don't really need a you i've never needed a label right like to 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 at least uh at least need a label to like get the music out there um labels can be tremendously helpful Mm -hmm. um you know they they still have a really big purpose in in a lot of ways but uh but you don't actually need them at all if you because uh with online distribution, um, you know, easier now than ever, you can master your record online. Uh, you can, uh, just through social media with marketing, the amount of independent, like independent blogs, um, who will review independent musicians without the need for a huge, like team of people. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know. There's become a huge network where you just don't need, the label like crowd like crowdfunding now is ginormous that's kind of like what uh like pledge music something like that mm-hmm. is doing which is a crowdfunding like kickstarter but their pitch is they're acting as a label um because i don't know why but it's uh <laughs> exactly they, I, they're they're not really doing exactly what a label is doing i guess on some ways they are but i guess it's the idea of being able to fund yourself uh which would be like we're in advances on your records and things like that. And, uh, just, uh, I don't know, just the direct to fan market we have now with the online is it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting time because like people aren't going to shows as much anymore. Hmm. So the, like the idea of direct to fan, uh, in an online capacity is kind of a funny thing term because it's going directly to the fan but there's no real physical product being like nothing's really being exchanged 
except right. for like you know ones and zeros you yeah. know like realistically uh so uh yeah i don't know i don't know what tangent i just went on there oh no that's great the, the ones and zeros are coming out of their bank account and going into yours and the ones and zeros of the music are going onto their computer and there's no personal yeah. interaction no one has to talk to anybody yeah. right yeah. <laughs> and all that right yeah so that's why i like yeah. to shop though <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I like it no, that way. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah. People aren't going to shows as much, you say? Uh, I don't think so. Mm. I mean, I haven't been going to shows very much recently. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think in general, just like the trend of like sales and people going to shows just keeps declining slowly each year. I mean, shows are still big. It's still a giant like revenue source for musicians. Um you know, I don't think shows will ever go away, but it's just like a different thing. Like festivals are huge still, yeah. like right now, you know, it's such a concentrated mass of like music in one small week and you can see so much for the price tag that, yeah. So I, I, I know that's popular. So yeah, yeah. Festivals are absolutely huge. You know, a lot of touring festivals and a lot of local festivals as well. We have, I think a couple here in Michigan, yeah. um, so, you know, the yeah. fan can go to one show and see a bunch of bands and not have to go to a bunch of different shows. Yeah, I could see that. And there's still the mega shows, like, you know, when, um, I don't know, uh, Lady Gaga or something comes around. She's going to sell out, obviously, but that's a whole different thing, I think, right? Yeah, there's, yeah, there are definitely, like, different levels of touring. There's that giant mega arena superstar mm -hmm. platform that, you know, anywhere from like Lady Gaga to Metallica, you know, is going to do, uh, you know, the Rolling Stones are selling out, you know, <laughs> baseball stadiums, you know, yeah. still. Like, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know like those big shows are still highly attended. It's it's just on like the getting people to come out to local shows and whatnot. It, it's it's still a challenge. I know that's always been a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to get people to come see a show from a band they hardly know or don't feel all that invested in. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I, I do think, uh, I do think people are learning about music online so much more yeah. that like, I know I don't have as big of a connection to bands anymore. Like I used to like, uh, I, I mean, I remember like, when Weezer came out, like I was so attached to that band, like so attached. And, and now if like Weezer came out, I don't know if I would be that attached. I'd probably be like, yeah, it's a cool band, but do I need to go see them live? Mm -hmm. You know, I, am I too lazy to go and do that? You know, like now the way I consume uh, my culture, I just don't know. I mean, I, I can watch them on like late night on Letterman or something like that, you know, like, or whatever, whatever like late shows posting things on Hulu, you know, do you think, how much of that do you think is a function of age and maturity and being broke? <laughs> you know, I don't know about you being broke, but I know I'm broke a lot of times. But... Yeah, I'm totally broke most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think a large part of it does have to do with just getting older, being lazy and yeah. being broke. It, it definitely factors into it. Uh, I think I, I was seeing shows more when I was in San Francisco. It was just easier to get around. Mm, yeah. I think now that I'm in LA, 
you know, hop between venue and venue. I got to drive there, take an Uber or something like that. And it just adds up. Your night starts adding up. The amount of time you're spending between places is just a little bit more obnoxious. So you kind of like have to settle in, which isn't a bad thing uh, necessarily to like settle into a night of music. But uh, but yeah, I just just even getting there. <laughs> yeah, I feel like. Yeah, it's maybe me just being a little bit lazy, a little bit broke. Uh, but but still, I haven't like felt like felt all that compelled to. I don't know, like go out to shows mm-hmm. for some odd reason. I do once in a while for sure, but I don't know what it is. I yeah, but yeah, I feel um, I feel the same way. Um, but I, I I think in my case, it is it's it's partly just age and laziness, and um, in yeah. a sense of I've seen so many shows already, I want to be more selective. You know, like I'm going to see Faith No More tomorrow. Yeah. But that's like special because I never saw them when they were around. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've never seen Mike Patton. That's, you know, different. And I'll see like local shows yeah. once in a while, but most of the time I'm staying home, like you said, you know? Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. Like, uh, like I do, I think I take probably advantage of the fact of like, like bands that are on a small level, like they will play again. Yeah. And maybe the next time they play, I'll be more in the mood to go out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I... Yeah. Uh, I think that factors into it as well. It's just like I, I probably take take that for granted a bit, like that, like. But you know, but it's also at the same time, if people aren't showing up to the shows, what's the incentive for the band to keep playing shows to see them the next time? You right. think they're going to show, and you might want to go out the second time. So I don't know. Yeah, that's um, and that was kind of like the next question. I think the the conventional wisdom right now for for musicians on, who aren't Lady Gaga or whatever. I think the conventional wisdom is that you that you're not going to make a lot of money selling music. You're going to make your money touring and selling merch and stuff, right? But if people aren't coming to the shows, yeah. that could be a problem. So is that like is that kind of your I guess business model is is touring and selling merch or is it you know selling uh music you know like the digitally or both or how do you how do you make it as a musician these days I don't know I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I I mean I this is yeah it's a it's a tough question it's a question mm-hmm. like a lot of uh I've had a lot of conversations about with other musicians uh because moving moving to la i've been here about a year now uh like the climate in the musician world is so different than it was in san francisco like uh it's not like better or worse it's just i think everybody came here to make it at some level like to la because the industry like if you're playing music, that means you can also be tied to something else in the industry. You can also produce, you can engineer, you can be in the licensing world. I mean, I don't, there's, there's so many avenues um, to, you know, to be a part of here in LA that I think a lot of people try to like bridge the gap somewhere, but then when it comes to their own music, I think it's that, that, same struggle like what we're talking about how do we get people to show up shows how do we get people to actually buy the merchandise is it worth producing merchandise Mm. uh you know or is it you know uh you know how do you utilize like the online realm like how do you you actually successfully use crowdfunding websites or like streaming sites where you 
for like the house concert streaming thing where people can pay to see you play in your bedroom <laughs> and and you know the audio sounds like crap and like you're in your pajamas like trying to like you know make a few bucks like i i don't know that any of that really works at the end of the day to make you more successful um i think for some folks it it does but uh but I don't think for like a large group of people. So making it in the music industry, I don't know. I'm not sure what it means. Cause you can be like, there was an article like where Grizzly Bear, uh, the mm-hmm. band Grizzly Bear uh, was talking about how they don't, they don't really make that much money. Right. Like as individuals. Um, Cause when you get tied to labels and things like that, you, your advances, you pay that back with your sales. And then when you go on tour the cost of going on the road, like that'll eat up your, you know, your income and paying the musicians, paying the people who are on the road with you. Uh, but it's like for a band like that, like on that caliber, we're playing 2000. So whatever seat places a lot, you know, you do have a lot more like room to make money touring. People mm-hmm. are going to show up to your shows because you have built a certain cachet. But uh, I think breaking into that level is a really hard thing. Thing still i know with like previous projects that was the case like like reaching like the 300 to 500 seat capacity places is like a huge step for a band to like do that across the country is ginormous for a small band right that's like playing an arena for like a small <laughs> tour right you know like uh so then i don't know it's just kind of like baby steps from there it's just like more it's just, it's like anything else. You just, I mean, it's working every day to make sure like you're making something that gets you that next level. But what that is, is so subjective. So at the end of the day, it's about music. So you have to have music people want to listen to. Right, right. And then, but you also got to be like, what is that music people want to listen to? Mm-hmm. Is it what comes like from you, like your heart spilling onto like, you know, the, you know, into the, microphone that ends up people's ears or do you do like Katy Perry pop music (laughs) right you know it's it's a struggle a lot of people like start dealing with I think once uh once you've been doing this for a while that conversation comes up a lot is like how do you break into being successful and I think at the end of the day, it just ends up being more and more questions. Well, I think the, the, the question, like the assumption that you have to unravel in that question is what does it mean to be successful? For some people, being successful means being like a mega multi-platinum selling world phenomenon. And, and for a lot of people, it's just, you know, can I, can I do this for a living? And, and that, that's success, right? If you can do it for a living and not have to take on another job that's kind of awesome. Right. <laughs> you know, but that's, yeah. you know, it's a lot of work, obviously. Right. There are those, yeah. but I feel like that yeah. middle, that middle level, that, that grizzly bear level, I feel like that maybe that's existed all along and maybe it hasn't, but I feel like it seems to me that that's a level of comfort, I guess, maybe um, making music that I feel like should be easier today because you can sell directly to your fans and it's easier to book tours and do things without a label. You know, you don't have to pay back that advance or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's always some cost, though. Oh, of like, course. Of course. Yeah. Is, that, is that to do it at that level takes – it just takes a lot of money. Yeah. Even if you do it independently. Like, unless you're like Macklemore and you win the lottery, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like, 
even and even so, like I, I'm sure they invested. I, I mean, I'm sure they invested quite a bit of money to even get to the point where people started noticing them. Yeah. To, you know, to do things as professionally as they ended up doing themselves, like that takes investment that, you know, the average like garage band just isn't going to have. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, or just even the average like guy trying to rap in his bedroom. <laughs> like, Mac- It's an interesting like world to live in this like, uh, yeah, not superstardom <laughs> as, right. like, as, as an artist. Because like, I know it goes for a lot of the arts as well. Like, yeah. it's, I don't think like isolated to just musicians. I right. think uh, from conversation I've had, it, it's, it's a bigger picture for the arts in the way that like, where do the arts in general sit in today's like in, in society today? Mm-hmm. Like it's an interesting, it's an interesting like uh world we're living in the way we're exposed and the way we consume everything. And yeah, I don't know. There's cause there's different ways to judge how things are successful. And when you don't see people reacting, how do you know if something's successful? Yeah. You know, just based on like statistics, like because you know, like great, I got five hundred people looked at a Facebook like, but does that mean successful <laughs> post? You know, like right, right. you know, like does that yeah. make you are we famous shit? Does that mean we're famous? Like who know? You know, like you know, so it's yeah. I don't. Know. I, I feel like that with this podcast where I look at the download numbers and I like I have certain goals for the download numbers, but they're pretty arbitrary in a way because like what is a yeah. successful podcast? I don't know. You know, I know I have listeners. I hope I, I hope that grows. Yeah, but you're right. Is it successful? Was it mean yeah. to be successful? You know, not you know making anything off of it. I think that for me the 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 art that I know mm-hmm. or the industry I know more about is publishing and. Publishing has been going through in the last maybe five years or so what the music industry went through 15 years ago. You know, this whole things are getting digital. People are buying ebooks. It's easier to get stuff. It's easier to produce stuff. Uh, the big publishers are getting threatened by the, by independents and stuff like that. And people are trying to figure out how to make a living writing in ways that they definitely could not before. And I see a lot of analogies to the music world in that. Um, although I think the, it, it just it just 10 years behind in a way, you know, um, which is why I'm really interested in the music industry. Cause I think that there's stuff to learn with the other arts through what the music industry yeah, has yeah. gone through. So uh-huh. I like your attitude though. You're like, I, you're like, I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> right. You just gotta keep doing stuff until something sticks, yeah. right. Until something works, you know, you do the tried and true stuff and you try new stuff and see what happens. From my mindset is it like, I have nothing to lose at this point with trying like all the things that have been in my head throughout the years as a musician, there's no reason not to try them anymore um, because it's so easy to do. Yeah. Just like all the experiments, all of like any tool I ever thought I wanted to learn, I have access to it now. Isn't that crazy? Like I don't, yeah. And it's, it's insane, especially in music because every piece of famous uh, gear that I ever like, you know, dreamed about, like I have access to it digitally <laughs> on my computer yeah. and it's an emulation of that. And so yeah. I get to like, be like, Oh, that's what that does, you know? And, and since I don't really have a ton of experience with that gear in real life, that's what I know now. Um, and uh, it's, it's, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just kind of it's an interesting place to be. I I think in that regard is that things that were so unreachable. I don't know if that's the, yeah. like things are so much more attainable now. Yeah, but I don't know if that's necessarily good. <laughs> like <laughs> it could be good or bad, you know? Right? It could be the, good or bad. Yeah. yeah. The good news it's is. Like almost- the good news is anybody can use these tools. The bad news is anybody can use these tools, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's almost like when your palate is too big, just things turn to shit. You know, like yeah. it's just, you know, like when you have a too big of a color field and you try to put them all together, it just turns to, mm. turns to mush, turns to brown. And so I try to take that into consideration. It's like I know I have access to all of these tools out there, but – do I really need to have them all or use them all? And you kind of have to sift through, all right, what, what's going to end up on my palette today of the tools and things that I use mm-hmm. to try to get me to this place of success. Right, <laughs> so it doesn't right. turn like mush. And then, uh, and then it just, you know, it, no one, you know, pays attention at some level. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I've listened to your EP, your forthcoming EP, several times now, and um, I listened to three of the songs several times. There was a fourth that, for some reason, it, it didn't pop up on my SoundCloud. But um, it's interesting because I know that you have you've played most of the instruments, right? There's there are two of you. You've mastered it yourself. You've done all the production on it, and like you said, a lot of the instruments are emulated as well, right? Not on this EP. Oh, okay, uh, okay, okay, okay. On the previous singles, we did a lot of like drum machines and synths. Okay, where this much more organic okay i was gonna say it sounds very organic you know and i can't tell like of course my ear is not maybe as as fine-tuned as some people's but i can't tell you know what you've mixed in or out or how you've you know like like done you know layered things and stuff like that but it sounds i mean it sounds real to me it sounds really organic and very like kind of like your little bluesy little ethereal in times you know and stuff like that and it it works and like you said you do it all with the tools that you have, right? Which are plentiful. Yeah. The things that are emulated are like, what's is more of like the recording console where like, uh, the instruments on this EP are for the most part, all real, uh, mm-hmm. except for like the strings. on one of the songs is, a uh, is a Mellotron emulate emulator. Uh, and then there's a drum machine on one of the tracks that's blended with a real drum set. Uh, so it, yeah, but everything is like um, on like the recording side. Like I've got basically everything to in my computer to run like what, like a analog, it, everything's like an emulation of like an analog console, a two track tape machine uh, down to like uh, what you would bounce to like a, a quarter inch or half inch two track machine for bouncing down your, <laughs> You know, like, uh, and then I've got the compressors that, you know, I know where you, like, all right, so this recording used these kind of compressors and this kind of equipment. All right, I have access to that. So I can, you know, I can, I can build my dream studio within my computer of like what, like someone in like Motown Records was using, for example. Like I have access to do a recording like they did. This you know, is, is it going to sound exactly the same? No, but it doesn't sound too far off sometimes, you know, like, so it's, 
Yeah. And so you, I, I, if you don't like it, you can just undo and <laughs> right yeah. and do it over. Oh, right? And then now I can do one like it's emulated, like it was an Abbey Road, you know, or something like that. So yeah. like, I uh, it's uh, I think that's where for musicians, I think that's been the, like a huge uh, leap forward uh, in making music in the home studio mm-hmm. is. Uh, this ability to turn your laptop into just a whole ginormous production studio yeah, in, in a very high quality way as well. It doesn't take a lot to like uh, to turn your computer into like a really high quality studio. Uh, that's more high quality than pretty much most musicians will ever need. Yeah. Which is great. You can do all that in yeah. your computer and, you know, it's it's available to just anybody, right? Which, you know, might add to the noise in the world, right, if people don't know how to use it properly. But the my belief is that the good stuff floats to the top. If people want to hear it, they'll find it and they'll listen to it, you know, if it's if it's good good stuff, right? Yeah, that's that's always – I always hope for that. I always hope yeah. that that good stuff floats to the top, you know. But it is, it's still interesting to see where it doesn't work. Uh you hear a lot of that you hear a lot of like someone pushing a certain plugin that was popular way too much and you like you get it you're like okay i I get it but you also it's kind of good because you learn from that like there's a huge like i i've gotten more adept to like when i listen to music now like thinking okay what what did they use to get that sound and then thinking well how can i apply that to what i'm doing Mm -hmm. and is that are they using it successfully or not, you know, and is the lack of success, you know, did they use it in such a poor, like naive way that it actually ended up being successful as well? And then can you utilize that towards your own production? You know, I I think that's kind of the cool thing about where we are now is like, we all have access to that. So you can listen for it in a different way that you couldn't have before, you know, I, I couldn't have listened for certain things, without having that actual piece of rack gear, like right. the physical problem. Now that I, you know, I can actually have access to it, you, you can make, you know, you can, you can experiment, which is, yeah, it's that good and bad territory, you yeah. know, so. Yeah, that's interesting. So yeah. you can take a piece of what somebody did and say, okay, I can try to figure out how they did that without having to, like, go buy the pedal or the whatever the thing is. You know, you have it potentially on your computer it's a matter of deconstructing it and then figuring out how you can use it or if you should use it that's interesting yeah yeah and then the next step is getting it out there which we've kind of talked about a little bit and then funding it and then trying to make you know make money off of it if that's if that's your goal which i know it's your goal it's most i think musicians goals obviously right yeah i mean i'd love to pay rent off my music you know what i mean like (laughs) yeah that'd be cool. uh, yeah that'd be cool and i think i think getting back to that like uh idea of like what success you know like with i think just being an artist in general i think i think at the end of the day like just being able to pay your your like your rent pay your bills you know and have it act as like a normal nine to five would like give you i think that's that's ultimately the goal and uh, there's a lot of ways to make the music industry sound depressing and like it's hard to, to make that work but they're also i mean there it is it is like anything else. You put the time and effort into it and you will see some return on it, no matter you know what it is. It may not be a lot, but eventually you might persevere to like building that audience and 
making enough to just like fund your general life, which is which is nice. And I know with music, like licensing is a huge thing for independent musicians. Getting your song on a TV show, yeah. uh, getting a few hundred bucks to a couple thousand bucks for that, uh, and then the royalties that come in eventually. Uh, you know, like that stuff starts adding up, starts helping. And, uh, you know, I, at the end of the day, like it, it can make, make or break the difference. Just those little small things between like making a living doing this and, uh, needing to find secondary income yeah. and making a second priority or whatever it is. Or not yeah. that it's a second priority, just it's other other priorities tend to pop up when you're an independent artist. <laughs> yes, yes. And you said, you know, yeah. treat it like a nine to five. And I think that's the other thing about it, too. It's a lot of work. And if you want it to work, <laughs> you have to work at it a lot, right? Yeah. yeah. And you treat it like yeah. a job. And it's, I think like what, what it sounds like what a lot of successful musicians do is, it, is you piece it together. So you get some money from licensing. You get some money from selling merchandise. You get some money selling music. You, you, you know, like just things here or there. And, and hopefully in the aggregate, that becomes enough to, to keep doing it. Totally. Yeah. And it's, and you have to like invest it wisely too. I mean, it's, it's a whole, I mean, I think that's what I learned over the years is that you, you do have to treat like, you know, I know we'd all love to call our art, like our craft and our, you know, like this thing that, I don't know, art, you know, like growing up when you have this idea of art, it's so big and it's so grand and, it's, uh, it's so much more than the person. But at the end of the day, like, you have to treat this like it's a business as well. So you have right. to detach yourself from the dreamy aspect uh, of what art is to you and what art means to you and then break it down to, like, the logical nitty-gritty of, like, all right, I made, I made 500 bucks this month. How much goes back into, the, into making the art and how much goes into your life and funding right. yourself. I think that's a lot. Of, I, I see a lot of musicians just cause I'm around musicians more often make that mistake of getting some money going great. I can pay my rent this month and then being like, Oh, well shit, I don't have any money to do my next thing that I need to do. Right. You know, like hire another musician or pay for some CDs or, mm -hmm. uh, for like promo stuff or, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it can be any number of things, fixing your car to get to the venue, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. you know, like, or buying more gear, fixing gear. There's so many things that goes into yeah. uh, being sustainable, uh, just like making your art as well. Like it's, yeah, just so. like just like any business, you know, you have to put more. You know, the, the the revenues have to go. Some of it has to go back into the business to to get to that next level and to continue to operate, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's like the operating costs of what you do. Yeah. yeah, you have to take that into account, which is hard when you're doing it yourself and you see money, and that's the only money you've seen in that month. You know, you're like <laughs> right, <"Well>, stoked, like <laughs> like you know, I don't know, so. yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I know a lot of people complain about uh, streaming services like Spotify and, and, and all those. I've, I've heard a lot of complaints because they don't pay a lot um, for the art artists. Are you guys are you, are you on the streaming services? Are you going to be on the streaming services? Are there from the independent viewpoint? Is there pluses and minuses to that? Yeah, I mean it's one of those things where it, 
to me, music is free. Yeah. Anyway, like in this day and age, music is free. If you want the music, you're going to get the music. Yeah. Uh, and, and realistically, you should be so lucky to have someone that interested just to even want your product. I agree. Uh, you know, but there is the other side that you do need to like be able to make some money to sustain yourself as an artist. Mm-hmm. And I know that that becomes then the dilemma. Exposure is more important than anything, especially if you're still, you know, kind of in that building phase, you know, um, yeah, and like yeah. you said, music's free anyway. Uh, but I was, do you know this guy who, um, I, I, I can't remember his name at the moment, but he, um, he made, a, he makes a bunch of songs, Based on what he thinks people might search for for on Spotify, like it's like this SEO yeah, well, thing. Uh, so he does like just uh, <laughs> like yeah. he'll do like he, his name's Matt uh, Farley, and he said he made like twenty three thousand dollars couple like in two thousand thirteen just making songs like um, a song called Latoya. It goes Latoya, Latoya, Latoya. It's just the same thing over and over. Where he has like one band name where it's like yeah. the guy who sings your name over and over, and that's it. So if you're searching for your name, you find that like oh, or like somebody wants to party, and like you just fill in the name, and he makes like thirty songs a day or something like that. Do you know this guy? Yeah. yeah, he was in the news guy a lot sometime last year. It's so crazy, but that's yeah. not what you want to do. Obviously, that's not what you're trying to do. But like, he found a way to game Spotify in a way, right? Because he's making these minute and twelve second songs. Yeah, it's a really interesting idea. Uh, I, I've kind of thought about that, not in like the regard, like not totally like how he went about it, but you do sometimes think about that because you, you'll write a joke song or something like that that's funny to you once in a while, and you know, it's all about like just it would be exactly kind of like that idea where it's like a bunch of things that would be good in a Google search. Right. <laughs> right. <people> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, if, if you just were honest with yourself and titled it like, you know, like this song is about partying, what do you do? That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Just fill in the search terms, right? <laughs> that's great yeah but um yeah yeah, so but that's like that's not the way you want to necessarily make your living right you want people to you want people to like your music and and come to you for your music and right and stuff like that you know yeah i mean uh, ideally i would love for people to you know love the art of what i'm trying to do and accomplish uh but if i have to resort to you know <laughs> whatever it takes right <laughs> maybe i might you know i i, I don't know i'm not going to rule it out okay don't rule it out that's cool <laughs> that's funny um I feel like uh, when it comes to music, like, everybody likes music. Like, everybody, music speaks to people on levels that other arts just don't. And I think that, you know, you're right. Music is by and large free. You know, people can find it for free. But I also think that people want to pay for music. They want to support their artists, their favorite artists. And I think that's where things like Indiegogo or the uh, the one you're at, Pledge Music, um, things like that, even Patreon. I don't know if you know Patreon, where people can um, be patrons to you and um, – you know, give you money for every song you produce or whatever. I think that those are those models work to an extent because people want they just want to support people. You know, they they that they like, and yeah. I think that's what it comes down to is making good stuff that people want to hear, right? But also, you know, finding people yeah. who will like you and want to want to help support you. You know, I I think there's a yeah, it's free and people want to get it for free, but I think there's there's both sides to that. Yeah, no, there totally is. I. 
there are, and I, I, I do like, I do like the model of uh, allowing people like uh, through like Bandcamp, for example. So you can charge whatever you want to charge for like, say for REPs, four bucks on Bandcamp, but it allows you to add money on top of that if mm -hmm. you want. It's like when, when Radiohead did like the In Rainbows release where it was like right. basically pay what you want yeah. and you let your fans decide how much your music, their, you know, like your music is worth to them, basically. Yeah. Um, they get to decide that. And I, I do actually, I really like that model because music is free. And personally, I would rather get my music out there in the world uh, and try to make revenue more so on the side of licensing, touring, uh, more like specialized you know, merchandise, like I love vinyl records, like mm -hmm. doing, doing things that feel more tangible. Like a CD does not feel tangible to me. A CD is never tangible. Yeah. And it was only until they started like doing like the big booklets and collector edition CDs that had more content in them that made them more so uh, tangible. But uh, a CD itself, like it's, it's just a piece of trash that, gets one scratch on it skips on for days on you and it like mm -hmm. it was always such like a feeble means of like listening to music for me like so there's uh but vinyl just has like that thing about it you know or like even cassette tapes are coming back because there's something that's more nostalgia even more so i think than vinyl but um but yeah i mean i as far as like the crowdfunding stuff goes and like the subscription type things like Patreon is, uh, uh, or like, you know, agreeing to pay someone five bucks every time they release podcasts and, uh, a music video, a single, whatever it is. Um, I, I like, I mean, those are, they're interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I've, I haven't quite found a way where I think it would work with my ideas of how to release music. Uh, you know, my, my one thing with like uh, Kickstarter or pledge music is that, you know, it's great to have that early, basically pre-order support Yeah, um, is basically what, like what those are, are offering um, at least in the music world. But when you get the bulk of your fans buying a large, you know, pre-order. And then after that, you don't really see very many sales that happens to a lot of artists mm. is that after that initial thing, cause you press, you push that so much. It's so much like pre-order, pre-order, pre-order that when you get to the actual release date, you're, you can't sustain yourself anymore because the core people have already supported you and there's no longevity to that post that pre-order. And I think that's a big thing. So you have to look out for is uh, is like you have to have the long game as well. You have to be able to sell that merchandise and mm. sell your product after your initial big push. Uh. And that's, that's how I think the more successful artists they uh, they manage to stay active is that you can do that pre order, but then you know you figured out. Or at least you you've uh, looked towards the long game of it as well and planned for that uh, too. And I think that's something that 
you know, it's a hard thing to do. It's, it's a, there's a lot involved to, to keep momentum going. Uh, you, so it's, you know, so I, I know, I know the struggle of being an independent artist and like getting past the crowdfunding, you know, part of your career, like, uh, right. and or not even your career, but that part of your career, you know, like that, that record or that, whatever it is you're trying to initially fund and get out there. Yeah, that's interesting because then you have people who already they already have the album, the core, your core supporters, and then what do you do? You have to get make the next album so you can push that pre order, right? And that's not a that's not sustainable. Yeah. yeah, and if and a lot of artists aren't going on tour immediately after as well, or if they are, they're they just you know it's they can't maybe get out there as nationally as they would like to. Uh, you know, once you've done your big pre-order too, like keeping like blogs and people interested online where you also keep getting people interested, like uh, it just becomes harder and harder once you already made such a big fuss about one particular thing, the longevity of that music, it's so much more unknown at that point because you, you can part, you can part of men, can part I can't (laughs) fail or compartmentalized uh, that release so much into something so specific that breaking out of that little compartment is, is, it can be very tough. Yeah. Cause it's not about the music. It's about the release. It's about the product, right? Cause you don't have the music yet, you know, and then you have to make it about the music. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Do you have plans to tour soon? Yeah. I think the, well, no like solid like dates set up, mm-hmm. but uh, the idea is to start touring more um, with the release of this EP. Yeah, it's, uh, that's the goal. The goal is to try to somehow get locked in, hopefully with like a booking agent that can help facilitate that. Uh, it's, it's pretty hard booking yourself across the country. I can't even getting- imagine how hard that would be. It's yeah, it's a whole nother it's a whole nother level that's pretty it can suck your like whole life away just trying to figure that out. Okay. You know, like for like a certain period of time that can be like your life. It's just trying to book yourself yeah. shows at you know, a coffee shop across you know, somewhere half across the country for like fifty bucks. <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, that sounds terrible. That's something that I think you want to pay someone to do, right? If you if you can. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or you know, like usually you give them a percentage of something, right. you know, yeah. to help you get to do it. it. It is very helpful. Yeah. And that eventually paying people to help you out is is uh it's kind of a necessity. Yeah, yeah I would say <laughs> so. Yeah. Otherwise, it's, it ends up being hard to create, you know, spending the time doing all the business as well without a little bit of help. Yeah, so. for sure. Well, I know it'll probably be a while since before you make it to Detroit, but when you do, I'll come see you. Yeah. So, <laughs> I know you're not going to, it's probably not a, not a priority to come to the Midwest quite yet. But yeah, when you, when you make it over here, I'll come. We'll hang out, I'll get you a beer, you know, that sort of thing. Great. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks a lot for coming on to the to the wet podcast, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thanks for again inviting me to to do it. So yeah, yeah no problem. Once again, this is uh, Aaron Mort of the Bad Years. Check him out. I'll put the, all the links in the show notes at uh, ericmarshall.net slash wet. Sun's coming after me.